from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Here inside of today's morning menu, we have Todd Philcox in just a moment. You just heard from Rob Conrad. You'll hear from Jerome Smith. So different eras, different times in the history of Syracuse football, and you will hear each of their opinions and each of their thoughts on this team Uh, Rob Conrad just was up on the show. Todd Philcox coming up in just a second here, like I said, and then Jerome Smith around 10.15 a.m. Eastern time before we get into a continuation of On the Prowl, Jacksonville Jaguars coverage, and that leading into UCF and what's coming up for UCF, Mackenzie Milton's injury, DJ Mack being the starter now, and so much more, and the ingredients to success probably brought to you by Utica Pete's company, and it's a Utica thing. So with that being said, let's bring him on to the broadcast. We had him on recently here and it's always good to have former Syracuse players and and all of them that have been a part of wake-up call I can't thank you enough Todd Philcox is somebody that's uh, from that first moment he came on to the show just really appreciated the conversation and everything he brought to it so it's an honor and a privilege to have him back Todd how are we doing today hey good morning doing great now, Todd, you hey I mean obviously you played the quarterback position while you're at Syracuse so I want to start there what are your thoughts, your assessment of Eric Dungy and the type of quarterback, the style that he is, and, and just what he's given to the team in his four years there? Yeah, I've always, uh, you know, as long as I've been able to get him on TV down here in Jacksonville, I've enjoyed watching him. Um, really just a dynamic player, a guy who is just putting himself out there on every play, and I you know, think sometimes maybe too much to the point where he gets hit too much, and has had to miss some time, but uh, really I've always just been amazed by uh, really the effort that he gives you know, every single play and how he extends himself and extends plays and is able to get a little bit of extra out of everything, and uh, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. When you see Eric Dungy out there and and see you know how he plays his game and putting his body on the line, he's 6'4", He's put on muscle every year. He likes to run the ball. He flipped over against Boston College, was on his head in the end zone. He tries to hurdle at least one player a season. NFL-wise, do you see it? Can you feel it? What are your thoughts on him as an NFL quarterback, an NFL player? Yeah, I certainly can see him uh, playing, getting a shot, and uh, and being successful with the right team. Um, you know, he's got the size. Um, I think he's got the arm strength. I'm not sure where he, uh, relative to some other guys, where he stands there, but uh, certainly seems to have a strong enough arm to me. Um, and you know, the other game experience is something that uh, there's really no substitute for. Uh, as a quarterback, you got to be out there getting game time in and uh, learning to react properly uh, with such short, you know, time spans and uh, time time span to make those decisions. So. He's got that experience. Uh, he's, he's proven to really be a winner and uh, be able to lead a team. So I think he's most definitely going to get a chance. And uh, I think uh, given the right situation, he can be successful. 
Eric Dungy has not finished a regular season in his entire history at Syracuse until he did it at Boston College this past weekend. Going out against Notre Dame and holding on to his side, not coming back into the game at all. The question was, how bad is it? Is he going to play? Can he, you know, is this is this four seasons out of four seasons where Dungy is not going to finish the season for Syracuse? Mum is the word. He comes out against Boston College and not only plays, but has six touchdowns, three through the air, three on the ground, flipping over, putting his body on the line, this, that, and the other. What can you say about that moment for Eric Dungy that he finally got to finish a regular season and that he somehow found a way to heal up his body enough or just play through the pain to do what he did? He didn't have a game where he was on the field. I mean, it was one. It was it was one hurdle to be on the field. It was another hurdle to complete a few passes. It was another hurdle to see him run. But then he ends the game with six touchdowns, and he's the offensive player of the week in the ACC at the quarterback position to round out the regular season. What are your takeaways from him going out against Notre Dame, coming in against Boston College, and then doing what he did? Where the notion was, oh, this is another year where Eric Dungey doesn't get to finish the year. Yeah, I mean, hard for, hard to say from down here. I'm not as plugged into the news, and I'm not even sure. It seemed like his injury was kind of like a back injury. Is that correct? Yeah, it was. Uh, he was grabbing his back. It almost looked like it was. Um, it could have been a hip or a back, but and then some people were talking about his ribs and whatnot. But there was just that, you know, that hand on the back as he went off the field. Yes. But then there was no conversation on how bad it was and and you know Tommy DeVito's the one that came out and spoke to the media so the notion was that you know Dungy was was not going to be available yeah no I know I certainly watched that Notre Dame game and it was hard to tell but you know you get injuries around the, the lower back and things like that they're kind of hard to uh hard to gauge especially when you're uh, not uh, the doctor looking at them but uh you know I think he's always proven to be a to be a tough player um Injuries uh, with the amount of times he's running the ball and putting his body out there, unfortunately, uh, happened to quarterbacks just because you know they're not uh, used to running the ball and uh, accepting those hits and being able to deal with them. Um, so I do think if he, you know if he gets to the next level, he'll learn to a degree to change uh, some of those habits and uh, not put himself at risk quite as much. Um, but. Yeah, I think he's in the past proven to be a pretty tough guy. Just uh, unfortunately, he's just taking way too many hits. What would you say to an NFL team that was looking at him coming up in just a few months? You know, the um, the biggest factors uh, I think for a quarterback to be successful in the NFL. You know, first off, you do want a guy who's got as much experience, game time experience as possible. Um, and then 90% of the game is, you know, between the ears. It's the competitiveness. It's the intelligence. It's the uh, love of the game and the, you know, the desire really to be out there. And I think he probably exemplifies, you know, all those things as well as anybody. Um, so that those are the kind of factors that I think are going to lead to a, to a guy being successful, uh, being prepared and, you know, being ready to play in the NFL. So... Those are, those are the aspects that I would certainly uh, think would uh, work to his advantage. Rex Culpepper, a backup quarterback on the team and a really great guy, had and also a Florida guy coming from HP Plant in Tampa. Rex had the statement, he healed like Wolverine, 
the back spasms, you know, uh, being in the hospital, having back spasms when it comes to Eric Dungy and then being able to play. He shocked a bunch of people, and he shocked, you know, one of the quarterbacks, that, you know, in, in probably the majority of the room when he came back and was able to get out there and, and do what he needed to do. So, you know, this has just been a, a huge piece of, of leadership for Syracuse and a huge fight. This is a guy who did not want to end his career at Syracuse without going to a bowl game and didn't want to end his career at Syracuse without being able to play at the end of the season. And, I mean, he he embodies to me facing adversity head-on and, and, and hitting adversity and telling adversity, I'm not going to move. You move. Have you seen a quarterback at Syracuse that mirrors that? Did You know, when you look back at your time at Syracuse, did you have that dog mentality, so to speak? You know, is there anything that looks like Eric Dungy, or does he just stand out all on his own when it comes to Syracuse history? You know, I think uh, there's a lot of been a lot of unique players at the quarterback position and uh, throughout the years since uh, you know Donnie McPherson before me, and then a lot of uh, great quarterbacks afterwards. Um, you know, the one thing you find. Uh, Really, anywhere you know in, in college athletics and professional, once you get to that degree, it's you know, the guys who are going to be successful um, are going to exhibit you know a persistence, uh, a willingness to kind of work through things that uh, others may not be willing to go through. Whether it's physical uh, difficulties, whether they're uh, you know mentally have to uh, deal with things such as you know sitting on the bench or or potentially. Uh, dealing with, you know, some losing uh, situations, things like that, where you've just got to, you got to force yourself to prevail. And uh, many, you know, there's many different ways, many different uh, factors you've got to prevail through. But uh, certainly, I think Eric has shown that he can prevail through a, you know, a program that maybe was down a little bit, uh, being the leader of a program where you're trying to bring it back. And then, uh, you know, he's, he's been kind of a, workman a workhorse on that offense where he's had to run the ball uh throw the ball pretty much do everything so he's certainly shown that he can prevail and uh in his own unique way and uh that's certainly an an aspect that's gonna make him more valuable uh moving on that coming from todd philcox here with us this morning on wake up call with dan tortora Todd, to look at Dino Babers and what Dino has done in his first two seasons, won four games in the first, four in the second, eight overall in two years. He's won nine this season in in season number three. Just what you have seen from him, and the second part of that is the hashtag PayDino is out there. There is that kind of rally cry, also that you know cautionary tale to Syracuse that you need to lock this guy up and make sure that he stays here for the long haul. So what do you think about the job that he's done in year number three and, and overall? And then secondly, the whole pay Dino drive that's going on right now, that, that notion that Syracuse needs to make sure that nobody else snatches him up at this point. Um, you know, I've, I've loved to watch the program the last few years. Um, just a great offensive uh, mind seems like, and, uh, has really got uh, some excitement and uh, they're a fun team to watch. Um, so certainly I would hope uh, they can't hold on to him. Um, would love to be able to see the you know recruiting pickup. I think uh, we've had some challenges on defense, uh, you know, stopping teams. So I'd like to see that uh, improve greatly. Um, but I think you know, things are going in the right direction. So, yeah, I think if we need to hold on to Dino, it seems like a, you know, a fantastic leader. Um 
can't say I've had the opportunity to meet him. Maybe I've said hello once or twice up there, but uh, don't don't know him well. But uh, certainly everything you see, hear, and uh, read about is uh, nothing but positive. So yeah, I think he'd be a great you know individual to lead that program for you know, as long as we can hold on to him. And as the team moves forward into this bowl game, there's a notion that, and I would go with this notion because sources close to the situation that that I had spoken with going. Be, before the BC game going into that week, you know, I said Syracuse, in my opinion, has, you know, you get eight or nine wins, you deserve to be down south. You've earned the right to be down south. I said if they beat BC, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to be down south probably in the state of Florida. And then I spoke with, you know, with those sources that, that I trust and I believe in. And I know that people hate, you know, when they, when they listen to the show or they read something, they hate when they see sources. They want the information but they want the people, and as an Italian, I can tell you that you get the information if you cover the source. So I will say sources close to the – and I was watching The Godfather last night, so it's just like top of mind. But, you know, the sources close to the situation that I trust had said, listen, we win this game, it's Camping World Bowl. And, you know, down at the Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, I agree with that notion. I also agree with Syracuse, West Virginia, because it's ACC Big 12. What do you think about if Syracuse on December 28th, I believe it's at 5.15 p.m. Eastern time, ends up in Orlando, Florida, down in the state that you're in against West Virginia and Will Greer in a high-powered offense and obviously an, an old Big East rival. What are your thoughts on that game and if you believe that Syracuse has deserved the right to be down south this season? I certainly believe they've deserved uh, to get to as, as good a bowl game as possible. They've had a great season and, uh, you know, really played, uh, you know, how they played Clemson, uh, that game. They've, they've shown they can compete with anyone. So I uh, would certainly look forward to a game against West Virginia. That, that would be uh, pretty entertaining. Uh, so if uh, they're coming down to the camping, uh, you know, World Bowl, I'll certainly do, I'll do my best to get over there here from Jacksonville and uh, would love to see them playing it. Yeah, I think it would definitely be a good game. That's one that I'm sticking with on the prediction side of things, and we'll see how all of that shakes out as we move forward. Jacksonville Jaguars, you're in Jacksonville right now. We're going to hear from my buddy Jason Lucas in, in just a little bit. He's been on both sides of it, PR inside of an organization, media and journalism on the other side of it. So I always appreciate having Jason on. We're going to have a big conversation on the Jaguars. What are your thoughts on what's going on? They just they just fired someone that I appreciate and respect tremendously, and that's Nathaniel Hackett. He is their off- He was their offensive coordinator. He was with the team last year as the offensive coordinator, taking over for Greg Olson uh, two years ago as an interim and having success and going into last season and leading the team to only their third AFC championship berth. Yet this season, they have a ton of injuries. The offensive line has lost two left tackles. Everybody on the offensive line has been hurt at some point. TJ Yeldon's played not being 100%. Corey Grant, who's a returner and a running back, is on injured reserve. Marquise Lee is on injured reserve. Niles Paul, Austin Safarian Jenkins are on injured reserve. Leonard Fournette played, what, one full, full game or two full games this season? He's suspended for the upcoming game for being an idiot. So all of these things have happened to the offense, and Blake Bortles has also held onto the ball a little bit too long. Blake Bortles has had an issue with being sacked, and the receivers have had an issue with getting open. Yet Nathaniel Hackett's the person that's fired for that. So how do you assess the situation and knowing the laundry list of problems that – Nate Hackett was, 
you know, potentially and allegedly fired over that weren't in his control. What are your thoughts about the current state of Jacksonville? Well, yeah, you, you mentioned a lot of it. Um, boy, it's uh, living down here. It's it's depressing, really, to see what's happened uh, this year to this team uh, with the expectations coming in. Um, it, it's just tough to watch. I've quite frankly, I think I watched the first half this week, and I. Uh, Went, went fishing and got in the boat and left because I just didn't, A, I didn't have any confidence that they could really do anything that was noteworthy and uh, worth watching. Um, you know, I'm uh, here seeing these uh, coming across the wires yesterday with uh, you know, Coach Hackett being uh, fired and then the, the Bortles uh, benching and things like that. And I guess my viewpoint first was uh, I think it was time to uh, – try a different quarterback and seeing Kessler play earlier this year um, seems to really have a, the ability to make uh, good decisions uh, quickly and get rid of the ball. Um, so I would have liked to seen, to be honest with you, uh, Coach Hackett stay and put Kessler in and, and see how that changes uh, the offense. Um, I think making both the changes at the same time seems a little disadvantageous to uh, to Kessler coming in as quarterback um, because you, the, the tumult and the changes and things are just going to make it harder for him to kind of come in and be successful. Um, so I think if you were planning on making the quarterback change, I think you keep the coordinator. Um, and if you're planning on getting rid of the coordinator, then you might as well just stick with the same quarterback. Um, so I think there's, I don't like the way that was made. Um, the team in itself, you know, sadly, I think we're incredibly immature as a team. The discipline is, it's obvious they lack. And it's just, uh, you got some character issues, I think, on the team. And it's, it's sad. I think uh, they put the franchise in the hands of uh, too many young guys who really don't know what playing in the NFL is all about. Um, I think the loss of uh, Paul Pozlesny, um, you know, my viewpoint, he was forced out of the organization. I think that was an incredibly huge mistake and I think that's why the defense is struggling as much as they are this year they really lack leadership they lack a, a play caller in there who can get everybody on the same page and uh, I think this sadly this community here um, we, we deserved a, a much better effort uh, and much better results and I think the, the core of the team was there to deliver that but um, I think they've just gotten away from uh, really the discipline and the character and they've they've turned the, the team over to too many young guys who really just don't know how to perform week in and week out you said something interesting about you know this this team in the sense of Paul Pozlesny you felt that that he was that he was forced out what can you say about uh, about that what made you believe that that Paul was not leaving on his own his own Accord. Well, I mean, that's just my opinion. I haven't heard anything from anybody. Um, but, you know, I think the organization had, had somewhat made it clear that they were moving towards Miles Jack as middle linebacker. Um, and they made every effort to kind of get him on the field as much as possible, uh, even last year when Puzlesny was here. Um, and I think that, quite frankly, when you saw teams last year that had success against our defense, they did so by game planning personnel to get Pozlesny off the field. And then they were able to pretty much run it, you know, kind of down out of throats, at least early in the season. Um, so I, I just was, you know, it's just my opinion that that's kind of 
was a decision made. I think he was told he wasn't going to be a starter. And at that point, you know, he, I think his contract was up and it was just a matter of, uh, you know, it, it, when the writing's on the wall as a player, you, you make a decision based on what the, you know, what your the outlook is. And I think he made a decision to retire based on the fact that he was kind of being shown the door by the organization. When we look at the, you know, like, and, and, and going back to the injury side of things, Andrew Norwell, starting left guard that they paid a bunch of money to to come from Carolina. Brandon Linder, who's been their starting center for a while now. Will Richardson, who was drafted this year in the fourth round, is a backup tackle. Josh Wells, who is the backup to Cam Robinson, and Cam Robinson as well. All of these guys are on IR. Five offensive linemen on injured reserve, including three of the five starters. You have Josh Walker at left tackle, who is their fourth left tackle try this season. You have Chris Reed at left guard, who is an undrafted free agent from Minnesota State Mankato in uh, in 2015. Tyler Shatley at center, who has been on the team. And then A.J. Cannon and Jeremy Parnell are the only starters left on the offensive line. A.J. at right guard, Jeremy at right tackle. This, to me, to state all of that, makes it even stranger that it's all Blake Bortles' fault and that it's all Nathaniel Hackett's fault. So, I mean, you're a quarterback. You know how important the offensive line is. When I'm telling you that that three out of five offensive linemen are out for the season and that they're on their fourth string left tackle with guys that weren't even on the roster at the beginning of the season, just what your takeaways are as a former quarterback. Yeah, it's certainly been tough and even hard to fathom that uh, you know, they, went, they went through a year last year where they were pretty fortunate to be injury-free, and then uh, you know, unfortunately this year it's kind of the law of uh, averages has caught up to them. Um, so it's too bad. It certainly has hindered uh, the development of the offense, and, and even with that, they you know even this, this week were able to run the ball very successfully. Um, so I think some guys have stepped in and done a pretty good job. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a They've been challenged, uh, you know, missing players, you know, receiving positions, uh, been, been challenged by losing Marquise Lee early and uh, all the tight ends. So it's it's been a kind of a perfect storm on offense of uh, injuries that uh, have, have hindered them from really being able to perform where they need to. And before we finish up here with Todd Philcox, former Syracuse quarterback and, and living down in a business owner in Jacksonville, Florida, so obviously – close to what's going on in Jacksonville and, and watching this Jaguars team fall from grace uh, this season, unfortunately, for the Jaguars and their fans and, and all of Duval. To look at the Jalen Ramsey factor, Jalen Ramsey regarded as one of the best, to some people, the best corner in the country. Yet Jalen Ramsey, and I can ask you this as well as a former quarterback, he decided to start off the season by painting a massive target on the Jaguars' backs, which showed that he learned a lot from painting a massive target on the Jaguars' backs going into the game against the Patriots. When they went into the AFC Divisional Round game, and I covered them all the way through, and I was in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was saying, we look forward to the next game against the Patriots. They were overlooking Jacksonville. Jacksonville used that, chip on their shoulder, won the game. Not even 24 hours later, not even 12 hours later, they land in Jacksonville at what was Everbank Field. Now it's TIAA Bank Field. They land at the stadium. Jalen Ramsey takes the mic and says, we're going to the Super Bowl, and we're going to win that BITCH. 
So he did exactly what the steel what they used to win over the Steelers. He gave the Patriots. The season ends. They don't go to the Super Bowl. They don't win that bitch. And he starts off the preseason of this season saying, this quarterback's trash, this quarterback's garbage, this quarterback can't do anything, this quarterback's overrated. What do you think of the Jalen Ramsey factor? Because from being inside of the locker room, I saw the writing on the wall of the virus that could easily spread in this locker room. I saw it very early on. Now people, I think, are seeing it on the field. What are your thoughts on the Jalen Ramsey factor and you kind of alluded to, you know, having having this franchise in the hands of some young guys that don't get it. Is he one of those guys? Uh, definitely. I think uh, the immaturity that he's uh, exhibited, it uh, is very bad um, for the locker room. I don't think players on a team who are, you know, busting their butt enjoy hearing, you know, anyone in the locker room talking like that. And uh, it, it just... As a young, you know, guy who really has had some success in this league, but really hasn't proven much um, to come out and talk like that is just—it's uh, detrimental to the entire team. Um, and that's, you know, was one of those guys who, who just doesn't really get it. Um, you know, it's a guy who I think all spring didn't show up at uh, team workouts because he was working out on his own. Uh, didn't show up at training camp because uh, he had, you know, he's. I had a family, but, you know, missed a good week plus. Um, and, you know, he's, he's played okay, but he's made a lot of errors this year. Um, that's just the immaturity uh, and, unfortunately, lack of discipline and character that's hurt this team. Yeah, and, unfortunately, you know, they're at a crossroads right now. Tom Coughlin seems like a, a no-nonsense guy. What are your thoughts on the future of Jalen Ramsey? You know, just, I mean, from the outside looking in, what would you think is the best situation for Jacksonville? Do they trade him and try and get some draft picks or get a wide receiver or another corner or whatever, or do they keep him and does Tom Coughlin bring him into the office and go, listen, I can't deal with this anymore. What What do you see with Jalen Ramsey? What would be the best option for Jacksonville in your opinion? Yeah, I would hope that they can uh, just, uh, you know, help him along the lines of growing up a little bit and uh, learning to be a professional. Um, because he certainly has the talent. Um, so I certainly can be a, uh, a positive for this organization, but, uh, some things, you know, I think have to change. I think it's, this is going to be a season, uh, certainly of, uh, examples on how not to, you know, how not to do it, how not to conduct yourself, how not to, uh, have success. So you would hope that, uh, you know, some of the players get it and, uh, learn from it and him being one of them. Um, you know, that, that can, we certainly have got a core here of players that we can, you know, build around and, and be successful. Uh, but, you know, attitudes have got to change. Absolutely. And, and it's the great unfortunate that, you know, we're in a situation right now where the writing was on the wall and when a team loses, it makes it a lot easier and it makes Jalen Ramsey's voice a lot louder and puts the team in a situation where you start choosing sides you start dividing up, and I think we saw that on the field. I was in Buffalo for the Jacksonville-Buffalo game, and I was on the side of the end zone when the fight broke out. So, you know, and, and I don't think that teams that are well-disciplined or or community-driven in the sense of, you know, as one, one mind, one heart, one, you know, just, just, just one group, one person, one being, so, so to speak, when there's not that mental toughness and that oneness 
you see these stupid fights break out because the team is frustrated at each other, at themselves, at whatever. And I, I think that, you know, seeing the fight in Buffalo was a – and Leonard Fournette's now kicked out of the upcoming game this weekend, and he has only played in five games in 12 tries with this game coming up. And so, I mean, for me, that just kind of shows the – the psyche of the team and the lack of mental toughness and the the lack of the lack of a, a connection to one another to to be so individualistic and be so stupid. I mean Leonard Fournette trying to throw punches with his hands and he's a running back. So it's just a sad thing that happens, but hopefully it'll turn around. Either way, I will be down in Florida coming up. And uh, Todd, as always, I, I appreciate the time. And while I'm in Jacksonville, if we can if we can carve out some time there then, uh, you know, maybe we can make something happen. I know we've talked about it before, but I'll be down in, in sunny Jacksonville, so maybe we can figure out some time to get some FaceTime and, and sit down and talk. You know, regardless of, of how this team plays, we can at least talk about it. Sounds good. We'd love to do so. All right, man. Well, listen, I'll talk with you soon. Thank you for your time this morning, and God bless with everything, and I'll just uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, and uh, go Orange. Look forward to seeing you down here in Florida. All right, take care.